Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the audio, or you can even watch back, giving players all the props, or put them on blast. We don't give no hot takes, only talk facts. We're giving all our devotion, riding high on this wave of emotion, going all out, yeah, cause this is our time. No, we no stopping us till we reach the finish line. Sammy got it off the ground And to all the listeners tuned in right now Got debates, analysis, and speculation This is sports talk for the new generation You know where to find us, got a reputation Sick podcast, your number one sports destination Giving all our devotion Riding high on this wave of emotion Going all out, yeah, cause this is our time No, ain't no stopping us Riding high on this wave of emotion Going all out, yeah, cause this is 
lounge. X and O, you know that we can hold it down. Shout out to my man Sammy, got it off the ground. And to all the listeners tuned in right now, got debates, analysis, and speculation. This is sports talk for the new generation. You know where to find us, got a reputation. Sick podcast, your number one sports destination. Giving all our devotion, riding high on this wave of emotion. Going all out, yeah, cause this is our time. No, we no stopping us till we reach the finish line. You're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. (laughs) There is a ball! Sports Entertainment. Like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la mauvaise! You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Welcome, everyone. Friday evening to the Sick Podcast. I'm Matt O'Han, the Hebrew Hammer. As you can notice, there's no background behind me. This is what my wall looks like behind me when the Sick Podcast background is not up. Uh, technical difficulties uh, at the last minute did not allow for me to have the po- the uh, background up. Such is life. We let we roll with the punches here at the Sick Podcast. Uh, okay, let's get down to business. Uh, so the Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group is a leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America. Driven to be different. We're also brought to you by La Bitta TB Beer, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TB embrace your true nature okay uh also you know we're brought to you by playground so we got something very special this uh saturday so i'm gonna ask sammy and yellow thank you very much to put that up so we're brought to you by playground as you know they're a big sponsor of the show they're big fans of the show so uh tomorrow december 16th at 6 p.m we're gonna be hosting a live pre-game podcast that's the that's 
tomorrow at 6 p.m. It's going to be before the Habs take on the Islanders. Tony and the sick team will be live at Playground for their grand opening gala. Come join us for a fun-filled night. That's located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal playground uh we're also brought to you by sportsbuffshop.com shop all your sports licensed lifestyle apparel including hoodies caps and tees of your favorite teams from all major leagues at sportsbuffshop.com use code sick 10 for 10 percent off all their items all right so uh let's talk abs let's get down to brass tacks with our guest uh, as he usually joins me every friday mr Stu cowan of the montreal gazette Stu. How are we doing? I'm doing well. It uh, feels like April out there instead of December. It's beautiful. I know. It was amazing. I went on a 10-kilometer run. I said, I'm not feeling great this morning, but uh, six degrees in the middle of December, you guys, it's it's, it's a crime not to get out there. Uh, yeah, I walked my dog this morning, like five Celsius, sunny and gorgeous. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know, like, it's funny because at work... Uh, people are like freaking out that they're not going to get a white Christmas. And this, is like <laughs> a this is like a dream come true for me. The like, older I, I get, the more that. I hate winter and the more I dream of a green Christmas every year. So <laughs> that's it. That's it. And I could not be happier looking outside uh, this outside my window this morning. So um, let's, let's get down to it. Uh, the Canadians, again, another weird week of scheduling. It feels like, yeah. you know, people like everyone around the Canadians can't really get into a rhythm it feels like the canadians can't get into a rhythm it feels like you know podcasters can't get into a rhythm about the canadians because there's not constant action so um same with those on the have beat i mean like sunday night games like that's almost never at the bell center and monday night games i mean usually the habs are saturday tuesdays thursdays at the bell center it's been it's been a really strange schedule the one thing that will remain the same is that they're gone now uh, after Saturday uh, for the Christmas break and we won't see them again until early January and it's a road trip that always uh, has a negative effect on this team in the standings. Yeah, at least uh, definitely in recent uh mm-hmm. in recent years. So this is this is where we always say, right? Like the Canadians are really hovering around like the 20 to 25 mark right now mm-hmm. um in the league standings. This is where we really find out what type of team the Canadians are going to be, whether it be because of injuries, because of talent or the lack thereof. This is where we see where they're at the end of this trip is generally speaking where they will finish at the end of the season, um, barring some type of miracle. Um, but Stu, how do you see, uh, how do you, how important is the next, uh, is the next few weeks for the Canadians? Well, it's it's really important. Pat Hickey, our buddy Pat, wrote a good story on Hockey Inside Out, um, just about the record over the holidays uh, in recent years, and it's not very good. Uh, the Canadians are bringing in Cirque du Soleil this year, or Avenco, I should say, or companies owned by Jeff Molson, and make a lot of money off of Cirque du Soleil concerts or shows through the holidays. And previous years, it's been the circus, or it's, there's always something that comes in, or or uh, stars on ice, or something like that. And that means the Canadians are gone for an extended period. And it really does hurt them in the standings. It's it's difficult because it's a busy time of the year for just about everybody. So you have guys going on the road. I said after Saturday, they're on the road. They'll, they'll come back for a couple of days over Christmas. But the next thing, it's seven games are on the road. I know last year I did that road trip. And they played on the 23rd in Dallas. And there was a snowstorm. The Canadians had problems getting a, their flight out 
after that game, I believe they had to stay over. I was talking with Jake Allen about it after practice. This morning. They didn't get home until about 6 o'clock in the morning on Christmas Eve. And with a guy like Jake Allen with kids, you don't, it's not like you get to sleep. Uh, and then they were back on the road again on the 27th. So it's, the, you know, they're, they're on the road. They come back briefly for Christmas. Uh, I guess their wives or whatnot, the ones that have kids are in charge of the Christmas shopping and everything else. And then come home for a couple of days and you head back out on the road again. So it's not, it's difficult for many reasons because there's a lot of stuff going on off the ice for these guys with their families, obviously. And then they're not home and it shows in their record on, uh, you know, on these trips. It's, it's just, it's a really difficult going on the road for that long at any time or any stretch of the season is difficult, but doing it over the holiday period is even more difficult. Yeah. And, and that, well, that's the cruel thing about the NHL. I guess the way to spin it is that it's a really important trip because you could really learn a lot about the team you have. And like, cause it, it, it's not like in terms of adversity, you know, like they're not like, they're not really going through anything, you know, they're, they're going through real life. They're, that's yeah. life. Like when yeah. you're, when you're without your family on the holidays, so you could really see the mental fortitude of the team, and it could be a great learning opportunity if uh, if uh, Martin Saint Louis wants to take that from me and spin that. Just give me the credit for it, please. <laughs> um, but but it no, but it is it is an important time of year because this is again, like we said, this is generally you know they could have a hot start like they did last year, but then this trip it just brings everything to a halt and it just. You know, you come back down to reality, it seems. Yeah, it's not as bad this year as it was last year. As I mentioned last year, they played in Dallas on the 23rd. This year, they play in Chicago on the 22nd. Uh, and then they'll fly home right after that game. So they'll be home on the 23rd. Uh, and then they don't play again until the 28th in Carolina. Um, so I imagine they'll fly to Carolina probably the morning of the 27th. Mm-hmm. So it'll give them uh, three or four full days at home with their families, which would be a lot better than last year. Uh, and then, you know, back on the road again, and they're off to, uh, you know, they play, well, they play New Year's Eve. They, sorry, they play the 28th in Carolina, and then the 30th in Florida, and then New Year's Eve, they're in Tampa. So it's um, it, it's a hectic schedule. It really is, and, it, and it's it's tough. Yeah, and uh, you know what, though, is that things are, I don't want to say they're turning a corner, but it feels like at least the Canadians with the, with the players that got injured and they weren't season ending injuries, some are starting to come back, namely David Savard. We spoke about him last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his first game back, he scores a goal. And, yeah. you know, the team actually looks quite good on defense. Um, so, I mean, it just, that must just show like how important his presence is on the blue line. It is. I mean, and just going back to the road thing. One good thing about the Canadian or for this road trip, maybe, is that they're six four and two on the road this season, and they're six nine and two at home. So they're a better team on the road. So maybe it will help them. Uh, but for David Savard, uh, I wrote a column the other day, uh, and and he's an important, really important part of this team, um, especially with so many young defensemen. Caden Gooley has spoken with me often just about how much David Savard has really helped him uh, become this, the good young defenseman that he is. And, you know, I asked Marty St. Louis a, a few days ago just about, you know, David Savard is not fast. <laughs> you know, he's, as I wrote, he's built more like one of those world's strongest men guys than he is a hockey player. Uh, but, you know, Marty said to me, well, define quick. And he said his feet not, might not move that quick, but his brain moves really quick. Like he makes quick decisions and he makes right good plays with the puck and, you know, block shots like crazy. I think last year, I believe he was in the top 10 in block shots last season, despite missing about 20 games with injuries. He does the little things right. Uh, and he's a great guy to have in the locker room. The players love him. Like he's really funny. 
Uh, Jaden Struble, I was talking with him uh, yesterday, and Struble sits beside Savard in the locker room and said he's like a dad. He's like a father figure to these guys, but he's really funny and jokes around. And and when guys, young defensive, make a mistake, excuse me, on the ice, he's the first guy to tap him on the pads when they get back to the bench. Don't worry about it. Move on. Don't worry about the next shift. Don't worry about that. Put it behind you. So it fills a lot of important roles for the Canadians, which is why, uh, as I wrote, I think he'll be a valuable commodity for Kent Hughes uh, ahead of the NHL trade deadline. I don't know how much they'll get for him. I don't know if he's, they're going to get a first-round pick for him. They did get that for Ben Sherratt. Um, but I think, you know, David Savard, I think, would be a valuable guy on a team going into the playoffs with a young defense core that just needs a guy who can be uh, a veteran presence on and off the ice, a father figure, like I mentioned, can also kill penalties, can block a lot of shots. So it's going to be interesting to see. He has one more year left on his contract with a cap hit of $3.5 million. Uh, he's 33 years old, but I think there will be interest in him at the trade deadline. And from a Canadian's perspective, it would make sense to move him, even though he's very valuable, just because they need to open up some spots for some of these younger defensive. You have Arbor Jackeye playing in Laval now. Jordan Harris is hurt. He took part in some of the practice today. Um, you know, you've got players coming up through the farm system. You've got Rhinebacker, uh, who they drafted. You've got Lane Hudson, uh, Logan Mayu. So there's a lot of young defensemen coming up. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what, Kent Hughes can get in return for David Savard because I don't think David Savard will still be here after the trade deadline. So that that's the that's a key thing for me is when you said what the Canadians could get for David Savard because I think that'll really determine you know whether he'll still be here or yep. not. Post Kent, Kent Hughes won't give him away. Kent Hughes won't give him away for nothing. Um, that's well, the that's thing. Ken Hughes, because- Ken Hughes has been patient with all the moves he's done, and that's why we still have three goalies with the Canadians because he's not going to give away. He's not going to put Caden Primo on waivers and risk losing him for nothing. So he's been patient through what twenty nine games now with three goalies, and he will be patient with David Savard if he doesn't get what he thinks is full value for David Savard. Um, he won't trade him. Like I, I, I'm not guaranteeing you, but I think that he will. I think there will be enough value that Ken Hughes will make a trade. But if there's not, um, he'll keep David Savard. And as I said, he has one more year in his contract, and maybe he's more valuable at the trade deadline next year when he doesn't have that additional year on his contract that a team would have to take on also. Well, that's it because, you know, like like you said, Kent Hughes doesn't have a tendency to give players away mm-hmm. like that. Um, also, the Canadians have 11 picks this year. Yeah. So, you know, if you can't get a first-round pick or a second-round pick like, you know what's a third? What's an extra third round pick going to do for you this year? I think yeah. he adds more value to your team and being around the young core mm-hmm. than you know acquiring a third round pick. What I can see Ken Hughes doing if the best draft pick option he gets as a return would be like a third round. Kent likes getting guys who were high first round picks or second round mm-hmm. picks two or three years ago who haven't worked out with the team they're with. Kirby Doc, perfect example, and, and bringing those guys in. Emil Heinemann's another guy like that. He's got quite a few guys he's brought in in that circumstance um, uh, since he's taken over. Uh, Alex Newhook's another guy. Um, so I could see him, if, if it's if it's not going to be like the first or second round pick, I can see him looking for a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, uh, maybe a young forward. They need help at forward. Maybe a guy who has a history of goal scoring. Uh, who hasn't worked out the way the team that drafted him hoped he would. And Kent Hughes hoping that a fresh start with Marty St. Louis as a coach can help him. So I think 
it, it might be even more likely that he goes that angle or that route rather than the draft pick, unless it is a first round pick. But, you know, when Tampa Bay got uh, David Savard uh, before their cup run in uh, 2021, I guess it was, um, they got a fourth, the Tampa gave up a fourth round pick. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. But as, as I said, I think David Savard fills a valuable role with the Canadians. And I think he could fill a valuable role. A team like New Jersey, for example, if New Jersey's, mm. you know, they're fighting for a playoff. So they got a lot of young defensemen there. And a guy like David Savard, not only as a role model and a sort of leader and a father figure, he can also take away some of those really tough penalty killing minutes from a younger defenseman. Um, and, you know, the blocking shots and all that stuff. So that, that's why I think it would be a good fit, especially with a team with a young defense or another team with a young defense core that will be going to the playoffs. You know what team I think, you know, like any team would be, I think, happy to have a player like that if they were going on a cup run. A team that I think would benefit like so greatly from having a David Savard, a guy who's been there, done that, tough as nails, especially in the playoffs. It's it's funny because it's probably not going to happen. And if it does, that price tag is going to be a steep one. Be the Toronto Maple Leafs. I was, I was just going to say, it. you're going to say Toronto Maple Leafs. And yeah, yeah it, it's – and the thing with Savard, I mean, with the Canadians right now, he's been playing on the top pairing with Mike Matheson, right, on, on, a, real, on a good team with – in the playoffs of Stanley Cup hopes he's your third pairing defenseman, right? He's a number five mm-hmm. or a number six. Um, but yeah, I mean, a guy like he would be a good fit on a team like Toronto, but with 3.5 million on his cap, I don't know if, uh, I mean, there's not that much left on it, obviously, by the trade deadline. But David Savard's a guy who he's the type of defenseman that the Leafs could use and, uh, and, and uh, both on and off the ice. And like, all the defensemen on the Canes to a man when you talk to them. And Struble was pretty funny when I spoke to him yesterday. As I said, he sits right beside him in the locker room. And he said, mm. I said, you know, did you get a chance to know him at training camp? He said, I really didn't know him at all when I came in, when I got called up. But sitting beside him, he says, he just makes you feel right at home. And he says, he's funny. And he says, he's really good. He said, on the bench, the defense are really formed a strong bond together, all these guys. And he said, uh, Savard's the leader of that group. He's the one on the bench that sort of keeps all the uh, defensemen together and, uh, and on the same page. And he's like having a second defense coach behind the bench also, along with Robida. Hmm. And, and it's just, you know, you just look at how he played so well in that 2021 cup run. Mm-hmm. And he played so well for Tampa Bay the year before yeah. when they won the cup, like this. And you just think of the Leafs, like they just crumble under the pressure time and time again whether it be in the first round or in the second round, that's a guy who, you know, like when you're looking around on the bench, who are the Leafs going to look to this year in the playoffs? If they don't make a move, they're going to look to Ryan Reeves. Yeah, Ryan no. Reeves probably probably won't even he be won't on be. there. They can't, you can't dress Ryan Reeves in the playoffs. I mean, it's but like shorthanded it. when you put him on the ice. And, and David Savard's not a fighter. He's not going to fight. Um, but he's not fun to play against. He's a big, strong man. As I said, he's built – no, he looks like a lumberjack. Uh, you see him in the locker room. He's just, he's a massive man. He's built like a world's strongest man guy. So he's, you know, when you're playing a seven game series and you have him checking you in front of the net and him leaning on you on the boards and him, he wears guys down. And uh, that's why he's effective. He's sitting in the playoffs. Tampa Bay, that's why Tampa Bay went and got him when Tampa Bay ended up winning the cup. They might've won the cup without David Savard anyway, because that team was so good, but he definitely, he's a piece that Tampa Bay obviously felt they needed. And he filled the role. I think he averaged only like 12 minutes a game maybe during the playoffs. Uh, but he was even in plus minus for what that's worth through I think like 20 of the 23 mm-hmm. games. Um, blocked a lot of shots. Just a solid, as I said, on a really good team. If David Savard's your number on your third pairing, it's a pretty good guy to have there. 
Yeah. So it, it, it'll be interesting. That's one thing to look forward to. Uh, you know, I, I think the trade deadline, if it's like last year, it's going to be in March again. Um, yeah. It's March you know, uh, 8th, I think, or something like that. I, I, yeah. They don't got him. They don't have to move on, uh, move on him this year, like we said. But yeah, that's it. If, if, man, if, mm-hmm. or maybe in the offseason. But I think he's more of a trade deadline pickup. Uh, yeah. Uh, but as I, as I said, you know, if Kent Hughes doesn't get what he wants or what he thinks he's worth this year, he'll he'll wait. I, I'd be surprised, though. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get what he wants this yeah, year. I agree. I agree. The, the market, and, and the market out there, yeah, is, for a defenseman is is insane. Yep, and and Kent Hughes will say, okay, so you're not willing to give up a first, second round pick. What? Let me. How about this prospect? How about this guy? How about this guy? And then add another guy in that 21, 22, 23 age group to this roster that is mainly made up of guys in that group. Yeah, and he would be the one to you know like do a uh, an NHL type uh, an NHL video game type of deal where it's like okay he'll be he'll have in the back of his mind a player that he wants that he knows he's going to need to give up mm-hmm. some draft capital to get kind of like Alex Newhook he gave up two first round picks to get him yeah you know okay I'm going to acquire this prospect yeah. with this second round pick and then yeah, I'm going to package yeah, or, two second round picks for this yeah, or David Savard and one of the picks for whatever uh, if the prospect's a guy you feels worth that yeah. Yeah, because he's caught. I mean, it's just the asset management on the guy. It's just, yeah. it's unbelievable what he does. Um, so, David Savard has been, you know, uh, injecting some life into the lineup of the Canadians. I mean, it's small sample size, but he did. Um, this has got to only benefit Caden Gooley, who, you know, there's nothing really to knock on him, yeah. but he hasn't been himself. He's been okay. Exactly. But he has been really good, and he had been really good for a long time. It's easy to forget how young he is. You know, he's just a, he's a young mm-hmm. kid, and, and David Savard has had a huge impact on him, as, as I said. So for Gooley, he's, um, you know, he's a young guy. There's going to be ups and downs. It's amazing how well he has played for a guy so young. Uh, he's going through a bit of a rough stretch, but um, he's, he's too good to stay in that for, for a long time. I mean, every player in the NHL goes through, uh, you know, ups and downs during the season. The better players, the downs last less than they do for some of the players who aren't as good. But Caden Gooley's got, he's a full package. I mean, he's, he's going to be a good NHL, a very good NHL defenseman, in my opinion, for many, many years to come. So I wouldn't be, I'm not overly concerned about the little bump that he's gone through recently. Yeah. And it's, and, and also it's just not, in, it's, you know, not out of the ordinary. It's not out of the blue. Like a lot of Canadians players are really going through it uh, these days. You know, I mean, well, how forward. many times, uh, how many, well, yeah, exactly. On the forward end of it, you know, like you look at Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, those guys uh, really are big uh, flashing. Like uh, this is, you know, I, I not a lot of people are really signaling it yet, but this is a, big problem for the Canadians if they want to win some games right and if they want to, you know, make be that fun team, they're going to play that fun brand of hockey. You need these guys to, uh, to get rolling. Well, they've got 23 goals in their defenseman, which is second in the NHL. It's one behind Colorado, but their forwards are last among forwards in scoring goals. Sean Monaghan has nine goals to lead the team. There's 70, I think it's 72 or 74 players in the NHL with more than nine goals. That's a lot of guys. Than the leading goal scorer for the Canes. I, I have it in front of me because I did the research earlier today for a column I was writing. Dvorak has no goals in 17 games. Gallagher has no goals in the last 15 games. 
Ulanen has no goals in the last 12 games. Slavkowski has no goals in the last 11 games. Uh, Caulfield has no goals in the last seven games. He only got seven goals all season. That's a lot. That's a good chunk of your uh, uh, your forwards. And then you throw in, you know, Slavkowski with two goals all season, Evans with two goals all season, Anderson with one goal all season. That's three forwards who have played in every game. And combined, they have five goals. That's the same amount that Mike Matheson scored and Justin Barron. They both have five goals each as the leading scorers on the defense. So the forwards just aren't getting offensive production out of their forwards. And Marty St. Louis spoken about it a couple of times this week. He said guys just aren't going inside enough. Guys aren't willing to go inside to where you need to score goals. And he used a couple of different examples from his playing days. He talked about Dave Andrichuk and uh, Peter Forsberg, two different types of players. But he said Dave Andrichuk wasn't a good skater. He was a big guy, but he just knew – when to go inside, how to get open for a chance, and he scored six hundred over 600 goals in the NHL. And then Forsberg was a really skilled player, and he got inside, and, and Marty Stanley was talking about how Cole Caulfield, and I think we've all seen this watching, he's become predictable shooting from the same spots all the time, and he's got to get inside more. He's got to figure out ways. And, and as St. Louis said, you can't, you, you can't stay inside all the time, but sometimes when you do go inside, when you pop back out, it gives you a better scoring chance than if you're just on the perimeter too much. So they have too many forwards that are playing on the perimeter. And then get, Brendan Gallagher doesn't play on the perimeter. He's in there all the time. But he's just, I mean, the, mm-hmm. one of the recent games, he had 10 shots on goal. And and he's he's sort of just can't score right now. He's been unlucky, but he's, he's always on the inside. But they need more guys uh, to play sort of a Brendan Gallagher type of game and get inside and go into those dirty areas more often. And as St. Louis said, get deflections, get uh, puck going in off your shin pad, getting rebounds, getting those kind of things. And uh, just not enough of the forwards are doing that right now. And that's a big reason why they're not scoring. Well, and to me, like, listen, I don't think this is a shootout loss is not cause for concern. Mm-hmm. Um, especially again, and you know, it's crazy how, you know, finally the penguins, it looks like, yeah. They hit that wall, you know? Yeah. But uh, anyways. I'm saying that we really liked the game against Pittsburgh. You said he really liked the way the team played, and I can see why. He said they, they played really well. Yeah. But um, when it it's like you look at the shootout itself, and it's just like you look at the players who didn't score. And, you know, you'd think that that is a prime opportunity to, like, bust a slump. Like, what a stage you know, against the wow. Pittsburgh Penguins, Sydney. That's Cross. why we put uh, Josh Anderson out there, right? He was hoping it would lose under him, and then Josh couldn't score. And Anderson spoke yesterday with us about how much he appreciated St. Louis giving him that opportunity, and the fans a big ovation for him. You know, he's got one goal all year, and it's into an empty mm-hmm. net. But that you're, you're exactly right. I mean, that's that would have been a huge for him to uh, to score. And that when you know, mentioning David Savard. Once you get in that far down, maybe give David Savard a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's Savard could do that toe drag move that he does uh, every once in a while, or try something like that. But um, uh, or Kovacheva, yeah. But it's it's uh, yeah, amazing with twelve shooters uh, for each team. Um, but as you said, I mean, the, St. Louis was happy with the way the team played that game, and he thought mm-hmm. the way they played puts them closer to breaking out of their offensive problems. Uh, we'll see tomorrow tornado against the Islanders, but you, you can't have like half of your forwards going, you know, six to six between what six and seventeen games without scoring a goal. It's just it's way too much, and your leading scorer has nine goals, twenty nine games into the season. And it's it's just how long can you know they say, 
oh, you know, it's coming. They're, they're playing mm-hmm. well. Like you need results. It's the same yeah. thing at a certain point with a player like uh, Uri Slavkovsky. Like he's playing better hockey. There's no doubt about it. But he's got like two goals. it's got to materialize at a certain point. Yeah, he's got you know, two goals. He he's got no goals in the last eleven games, playing on the number one line the last five games. I think it is now five or six, and on the number one power play unit. Still stuck on two goals. I mean, he is 19. It is, and we are seeing progress about him being more of a physical presence on the boards and winning more puck battles. But the the production is just not there. He's not alone. There's just you know two goals for a guy who's played 29 games this season. And then Jaden Struble gets called up. He's played, I think it's 11 games now. He's already got two goals. <laughs> Defenseman. Yeah. It's just it, – it really – And the defense is not known for goal scoring. <laughs> but that's it. And, like, these graphics that go online, like, listen, they mean nothing. But no. players see that. You know what I mean? Like, when you're going through a slump, things can just pile on you. And, like, from a mental standpoint of it, it's like, you know, you're going to see that tweet – that uh, Jaden Struble has as many goals as you do this season, and he yeah. played in uh, half the amount of games and gets half the amount of opportunities. You know, you're gonna see it eventually, yeah. and and you'll see the tweets too about the his Corsi or his expected goals or is this or is that or is this or is that. At the end of the day, you're not scoring. You know, whatever the, the fancy stats say, at the end of the day, you're not scoring. You've gone, you know, for Brendan Slavkowski, he's gone 11 games without a goal. Uh, maybe the you know the, the analysts a lot of the analytics might look good, but at the end of the day, you got to put the puck in the net. And uh, you know the most important stat is whoever scores the most goals win. And the Canadians aren't scoring enough goals to win that many games. And it's gonna, as we mentioned, it's only going to get harder. Or maybe it'll be easier on the road because they are better on the road than they are at home. It's hard to. Well, that's hard to it. There's less pressure. Yeah, exactly. Less pressure, maybe or whatever it is. But uh, uh, yeah, they got it. They're I think they're like 28th in offense. They're averaging like 2.7 goals a game. It's just not enough. And it's, you know, like you got a game against the Islanders and the the Jets look good. Uh, Minnesota is starting to come on. Like I thought I saw a stat that Matthew Boldy has. uh, I think he he doesn't lead the NHL, but he's in the top five of NHL players in goals in the Mm -hmm. month of December. Like you're going to be running into some tough customers along the next few games. Not that. Not that any team isn't a tough customer unless you're in basketball and it's the Detroit Pistons. Detroit <laughs> but, you know, like you're running into some tough opponents here and opponents that generally have given you the fits in, in years past. And it's just there's no sign of something breaking out other than mm, I liked our game. Oh, we, we played yeah. well. It's coming. It's coming. Well, it's yeah. it's been coming for how many games now? Yeah, I mean, and I mean, they are missing Kirby Doc and Newhook. The injuries have taken a toll. But somebody had an interesting tweet after the Pittsburgh game. You know, Sidney Crosby's thirty-six years old. He's still performing. Like he's still more than point a game. And the tweet was basically saying like Montreal has not had a player like that since the last two superstars in Montreal were both goalies, Carey Price and Patrick Wild. Like when we haven't had a Montreal fans haven't had a star player that wasn't a goalie for so long. It's you know. So long. We've talked about this morning. Our last Canadian player to finish in the top 10 in NHL scoring was Matt Snazlin in 1986. That's a friggin' long time ago. Mm-hmm. And at some point, like when the, the you know, to, to be a real contending team, you have to have that star, that guy, the guy, right? He's the guy. Sidney Crosby is still carrying the Pittsburgh Penguins after all these years, and he's still producing. You're talking about producing. You know, I don't know what his analytic numbers are with Crosby, but he 
putting points in the scoring. He's, he's setting up goals. He's uh, he's the, that he, he's still carrying that team. And the Canadians haven't had a player like that. And when you look into the future, who is that guy going to be? You know, hoping maybe it's Cole Caulfield, right? He's the guy that they signed for all that money, hoping he's going to be the big goal scorer and electrifying guy. And it's not working for him this year. I really wonder how much of that is the shoulder surgery, how just getting used to having like a new shoulder and maybe it doesn't feel the same and maybe he's not getting the same zip on the puck that he had before. And you hope that, you know, maybe next year it'll be better and he'll come back. Uh, he's still getting tons of shots on goal. They're just not going in. Um, so like who is moving forward? Who's going to be that, the guy who carries the Canadians, Nick Suzuki is a you know, captain and solid 200 foot player, a little less than a point a game. He's not, he's not that level. That's just going to carry a team. Right. And, they don't, they don't have that guy, and maybe one of them will come out of the previous drafts or an upcoming draft or through a trade, uh, but they, they need that guy. I think they really need that that one star guy who, to help carry this team. So that that's perfectly leads into my question because of the way I phrased it that I wrote down is forget superstars because I think it's pretty clear the Canadians don't have super bona fide superstars mm-hmm on their roster, but how many primary players do the Canadians have? And and what I mean by that is how many players do they have that make other players better, that they could do it on their own, not necessarily light up the world, but they don't need, you know, the excuse of like, Oh, you know, Kirby doc's injured. So that's going to dip into this Mm -hmm. guy's, this guy's production. Like how many primary players do they have? And I'm, I'm not convinced you know, at least on the on on offense, I'm not convinced. You know, you could maybe make the case for Nick Suzuki, but he's not really showing it this year. No, and Nick Suzuki on a you know we were talking about David Savard. If he's on a Stanley Cup contending team, he's like a third pairing defenseman. Nick Suzuki on a Stanley Cup contending team is probably your number two center, maybe even number three. Look at the Kings. You know, Dubois a third line center with the Kings. Mm-hmm. Suzuki's, uh, I like Nick Suzuki. He's a good hockey player, solid 200-foot player, but, you know, he's not the, he's not the, on a good team, like I said, he's a second or, or, or third-line center. It used to be, before all the injury problems with Brendan Gallagher, it used to be whatever line isn't working, put Gallagher on it and he'll fix it, you know, and, and it worked for a while. You know, they put him on and the way he would play. He still plays that same style, but age is catching up to him and injuries are catching up to him. He doesn't have that same impact. Uh, Sean Monaghan, you know, earlier this season when he was playing so well in that veteran line with uh, uh, Gallagher and Pearson, but then his game fell off. Uh, it's coming back a little bit more recently. I mean, he's a guy that can, you know, he's not going to carry a team, but he's a guy that you could put on a line that wasn't playing well and he would sort of uh, solidify it or get them going. But now, like, there's really, who is there? There really isn't anyone I can think of that put him with these guys and he'll, he'll get them going. Uh, Suzuki, they've moved them around, you know, St. Louis split them up with Cole Caulfield and then uh, moved them to some other lines. And Suzuki's production is pretty steady. Like I said, he's less, just under a point per game type player. Um, but they're missing that guy who's, who's just, you know, whatever line's not working, you put him with them and he gets them going. They don't, I don't think they really have a guy like that right now. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because I was thinking about it today and I'm like, Man, it's you could look like. Would you call when he was playing? Would you call De, uh, Patrice Bergeron a superstar? I wouldn't no. call him a superstar. Well, that's if he's yeah, he's 
if he's not a superstar, he's a notch below. But he was he's like but he was like there's a lot of similarities with Nick Suzuki, but he produced more, right? He, he was more of a, a, a produced more numbers offensively. Um, but he did make the guys who played with him better, like so much mm-hmm. better. And you know, uh, we're talking about Gallagher, and you know, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast. You know, Phil Deneau made Gallagher better. And he made mm-hmm. Thomas Tatar better. That was one of the best lines in the NHL, five on five for a long time. And Gallagher's struggling now, and Tatar's struggling now in Colorado. Um, so you don't necessarily need to be that huge offensive player to make guys around you better. And I think Deno was able to do that here. And Bergeron definitely in Boston, you know, he did that there. He he might not have been the superstar level, but I think mm-hmm. he helped the wingers playing with him who might have been stars become superstars. If that makes sense. Well, I think well the, the, it makes a lot of bump the guys he played with up another level. Well, that it makes a ton of sense because you know before you know Pasternak. Uh, Savard, uh, Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand became the best line in the NHL mm-hmm. for years. You know, Marchand was a player. You're he was like Gallagher. You're so yeah. happy if he's on your team, mm-hmm. but you hate him if he's not. Yeah. And he could put the puck in the net thirty times a year, no problem. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, Pasternak is, into another level. Exactly. Like it's not really it's not really applicable to Pasternak because Pasternak yeah. is Pasternak. But mm-hmm. you know, this is you know Bergeron. You know, you can't do it without the ability. But Bergeron certainly played a role in uh, Brad Marchand having having a hundred point season. Yeah. Oh, w- without a doubt. And um, you know, I heard Ken Hughes on one of the other sick podcasts recently, and he was talking about you know he was Bergeron's agent, and he said. The thing that really impressed him about Bergeron at a young age is most young guys come into the NHL and it's like they're worried about themselves, right? They're, they're more worried about themselves. Like, can I keep a job? Can I get, move up on a line? And then later in their career, they start thinking about team. Whereas so Bergeron, right from the first days of the Bruins, he was thinking team. Like it, was, it wasn't about how many points am I going to get? Am I going to get a new contract? Am I going to get sent down? Am I going to do this? It was all about how can I help this team? And that's a rarity to see in a, in a young guy, as Ken Hughes said. So, that was sort of Bergeron's thing, right? He he was a great individual player, but he was all about team, and he made his teammates a lot better. Those around him, especially the ones playing on his line. And that's that's the thing, you know. Like maybe that guy. I mean, again, not to the level. Like like again, everyone has to remember. Everyone who's listening and watching has to remember how I phrased the initial question, which is not do the Canadians have a superstar, but do they have any? primary players mm-hmm. and i think the case could be made that you know and with the small sample size that we saw be it small but you could cautiously call kirby doc a, a primary player i i think so like he's very like, cautious because it's not that much of a sample size right he mean he's right but when he off. when he was you know when he finally broke out let's mm-hmm. say and he was on the puck like that's yeah. dominant play you saw. Yeah, you couldn't get the puck we, off. We he could control. He could control the pace of the game, and not a lot of guys can do that, right? He could carry the puck over the blue line, hang on to it, create, give players time to find open space, get into scoring positions, definitely. But I mean, it was such a small sample size with him, and moving forward, I mean, that's a serious knee injury that he had. Like mm-hmm. coming back from that, I mean, I know you're a huge football guy. I mean, football. That's a more of a football injury than a hockey injury. Yeah. The ACL name that that's a hard injury to come back from. Guys aren't the same when they come back. You know, I don't think you're ever a hundred percent what you were before after coming back from that kind of major knee surgery. So it'll be interesting to see how 
what Kirby Doc is like when he comes back next year. And we're talking about Cole Coffey with a shoulder surgery. I mean, he hasn't been the same. I mean, is it the shoulder surgery? Is it whatever? I mean, look, grasping for looking for answers now. Why he can't put the puck in there when he's still getting tons of shots? And maybe that's that's it. Maybe the shoulder just isn't as strong as it was, and he's not getting the same zip on the puck, or he just doesn't feel as comfortable with it. You know, with regards to the knee, at least, um, I could say, like, there's so many examples of it because it happens all the time, as unfortunate as it is in the NFL. Like, there's a player, it's funny, I was listening to a podcast on what the first round of fantasy should look like next year, and they mentioned this player that I had drafted this year. He was coming off a torn ACL that he had last year. Don't want to say he was underwhelming, but, like, he had to sit out the first couple games of the season or like have a limited role. And you don't very often get healthy in the middle of a season. It's, it's, yeah. it's almost impossible to get healthy while playing. So mm-hmm. that, it, it really does beg a question of what the Canadians, you know, when they get to this point, uh, hopefully it doesn't. And, and Kirby Doc makes a full recovery yep. by the time he's supposed to. But if that knee is not fully healthy, it's it's going to be a tough year for Kirby Doc because, you know, he's he's not it's not going to get more healthy as the year goes on. Like once you're in the season, you're in the mix. It's not going to get more mm-hmm. healthy, and you're already starting a beat behind everyone else at that point because they're already in the middle of their season. So it's going to be it might not it's, be so easy. It's like a twelve month recovery also period. So that means like is he going to be ready for training camp next season? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. No, we're going to see. And I really feel for Kirby because, you know, in the press box, when we intermissions, we head back to the lounge, we walk right past the part of the press box where the player, the injured players all sit. And you see Kirby there like every game and it's got to just kill him. You know, two games into the season, this happened to him. Two games. So he's got, you know, you see, I see him sitting there with the other guys and I, I, I feel for him. I mean, we saw at least he's not on crutches anymore. He was on crutches the first few times he saw him there. Now he's, he's walking, but um, it's got to be mentally, it's just got to be so hard for him, especially as you know, we were saying so much promise last season before he was hurt. And then he comes back this season and he looks great. And now he's hurt again. And he was hurt when he was in Chicago with uh, the broken hand. He's had a really rough go of it with injuries. And it's going to be really interesting to see, as I said, what, what his limitations might be because of that injury when he comes back next season. And will he even be ready to start the beginning of next season? And if he's not, you're, then you're really starting behind the eight ball if he doesn't have a full training camp and, and whatnot. And now, uh, you know, this injury shows Canadians fans rebuilds are not, uh, as we said last week, they are not automatic. A lot of things can happen in the NHL. Things change week to week, uh, day to day. You know, what were mm-hmm. feels like last week we were talking about uh, – I don't even, I don't, I can't even remember because it's, you know, like the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> well, that's it. You every know? year, the Ottawa Senators, this is the year they're going to, you know, and every year they disappoint. And the Buffalo Sabres, the same thing. As it, I think I've said to you in one of the previous podcasts, one of the things you hope if you're a Canadians fan, they've been so unlucky with injuries. Like it's mm-hmm. crazy how unlucky yeah. they've been with injuries that you hope that maybe when they are further on in this rebuild and they are ready to be a legitimate playoff team, the odds might finally turn in their favor and they have a season where nobody's hurt or they don't have any major injuries. But I mean, it's ridiculous. Just the, not just the amount of injuries, but the amount of serious injuries that they've had. You know, Tanner Pearson, Tanner Pearson, his career almost ends because of that broken left hand he had in, in Vancouver and the complications of surgeries. He comes back and he breaks the hand again. You know, it's, it's, it's nuts. 
Yeah, it's it's insane. And you know what? The, I I hope for the Canadian sake that that is the case, and for fans' sake, mm-hmm. because you know you just like even think back to um, you know it goes even before they really bottomed out in the season that uh, that Mark Bergevin was uh, was fired. You look at them in the cup run, like Tampa Bay looked like they were fresh as daisies, you know, and afterwards you find out like, you know, Jeff Petrie's knee was mangled. Uh, uh, Carrie Price and and, like all these guys, they were just shells of themselves. Like, you got you really got to wonder like when is this going to turn because it, it really went it really it got the spotlight after that cup run was yeah. the injury trouble but really it started in those playoffs yeah it did and, and what Shea Weber was able to do was remarkable or Carey Price was able to do was remarkable with his knee mm-hmm. falling apart the way it was and you know Brandon Gallagher the injuries he's had during playoff runs and um that's one of the things that it frustrates me when people are so critical of Brendan Gallagher. Now the reason he's so beaten up is because of the way he played for the Canadians. Like he could have taken it easy and not gone to the net as hard as he did and uh, slacked off a little bit, take a night off here and there. And he'd probably be a lot more healthy right now than he is, but he gave everything he had every single shift he played and it took a toll on him, took a physical toll on him. So you can say he's not producing the way he should be or could be, and you know, no goals in 15 games isn't good. But the effort level is always there, and it always has been there. And the reason his body is so banged up is because of the way he played. And it's just it is what it is, as the players like to say. And uh, yes, he is overpaid now with the contract he has, but he was underpaid in his previous contract. And um, you know, Brendan Gallagher just he's good. He's still playing the same style he did when he was scoring 30 goals. It's just part of it is. Puck luck, I guess, is not going in the way it is. And part of it is just he's a little older, a little bit slower. Um, and 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 it's showing in the in his results. You know, I wonder what uh what the answer is for the Canadian struggles, all this to say, because it, it, it's obviously it's the easy one is uh, get healthy. Well, they're not gonna be healthy for a while. So yeah. what's next? I, I I don't know what it is if you if you're Kent Hughes, because you know, you don't want to. You know, you could. You got a lot of pro- young, promising guys in Laval. Do you really want to bring them up when people aren't really firing? It's not a negative environment. Let's no, it, it, it's not. But I mean, from a fan standpoint, like, how much longer are fans going to be patient, even mm-hmm. with the injuries? And I asked Jeff Molson this question at the end of last season. I had a one-on-one with him, and uh, he said, like, he doesn't know. Like, it's the question, like, how the Canes have never done a rebuild, right? ever it's never been a full rebuild this is the first time uh it's happening and how patient will fans be they've been pretty patient so far they booed the team off the ice after they got shut out and won Vegas just against LA but since Marty St. Louis took over they've been really exciting to watch they were fun to watch you knew Cole Caulfield was going to score that was exciting for fans going to the Bell Center but he's not scoring anymore they're having problems scoring it's not as exciting uh, to watch as it was um so those are things that will lead to fans losing patience, right? If, if you go in there and watching a team get shut out or watching them get one goal, you pay a lot of money to go to a game at the Bell Center. It's not a cheap night out. You at least want to see them score, right? You want to see Cole Caulfield score. You want to see uh, uh, an exciting game. They got one against Pittsburgh, obviously, that long shootout. Uh, but there's been some games where, you know, the L.A. game, an example, where they've just been dominated and not able to score. And moving forward, um, you know, I think I think next season – 
near the midway point around this point of the season, if things still aren't going that well, I think that's when we might see fans starting to lose patience as far as where this rebuild is going, whether that's fair or not. I think a full rebuild, you got to give it five years. Um, yeah. This is year two, a full year rebuild. Uh, I, I don't see them being a playoff team. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs this year. They won't. I don't think they will next year either. Um, but our fans, how much more patient are fans going to be? And fans pay a lot of money to go to the Bell Center. It's a, as I said, it's an expensive night out. So, you know, if, if fans go there and they don't feel they're being entertained, they have the right to boo. And we've heard a few boos this year when things have been going bad. Well, that's it. And, and they're gonna they're gonna come. And it's listen. It's at a certain point, uh, effort level isn't good. It doesn't cut it anymore. That's mm-hmm. just what all of it is, is about. You know, people want to see goals. They want to see wins. They want to see those things. Um, it's it, it's interesting because you know, do you kind of you know insert some some life into your team by bringing a guy in? And uh, I was already seeing. Uh, I was seeing. Uh, I was seeing this. Talk about losing patience. Uh, the Canadians aren't even in the bottom five uh, for the for the draft lottery. Yeah, yeah, they're right in the bottom five yet. yet. And already, it's like they're like, "Oh, look at this guy, Macklin mm-hmm. Celebrini, Team Canada warmups, and uh, they get blasted by U Sports. This guy's a nobody." And it's like, "Whoa, yeah. let's uh, let's calm down here yeah. a little bit." Like, U Sports. Yeah. You know, well, it's you sports. It's also it's it's boys playing against men. I mean, university yeah, guys are, guys are three three years, old. years older than all these guys. Yeah, yeah boys playing against men in that uh, in that case. I mean, the other thing with the Canes, so from an entertainment factor, you got a losing record at home. As I said, that's not good if you're a season ticket yeah, holder. Yeah, you know, if they're as I said they're better on the road than they've been at home. So maybe that'll help them on this Christmas uh, break. I, I I mean, I really hope so because it's not looking good for them. Uh, you know, just. I, I, and I wonder what it's going to take because, like, the naturally you would think that you know, oh, it's just it's all it takes is one, and like it's you break out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's 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 not well, as Bob Anderson. We thought he finally got that one empty net goal. Okay, here we go. He's going to start scoring. He hasn't. <laughs> so that's the only goal he got. Still. That's it. It's you know, a lot of people. I, I can equate. I can make this equivalency. A lot of people were making fun of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, when they beat. The when they beat, uh, moved on to the first from the first round finally, and mm-hmm. then you know they they're acting like they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Well, you still got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Just because you score one goal, it doesn't mean the slump's over. You got a lot of work to do. Yeah. You got to keep doing that. One so, empty net goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. You know, yeah. and that and that's just for one player. There's a ton of players on this team that could use slump busters. And uh, I don't well, know. Anderson, I just came don't... Out after, Anderson came out and talked to us after practice yesterday in the locker room, and he spent a good 10 minutes answering questions. Mm. Good on him because it's it's not easy. It can't be easy for him. It's got to be killing right. on this and, and answering the same questions over and over. You know, Why can't you score? What's going on? What are you doing wrong? What can you do more? And he handled it really well. He's handled it really well all season. But the, the, the mental, I mean, he, he was saying that, Earlier in the season, he would be going home and watching videos of the games and watching videos of his play. And now he's reached the point that when he goes home, he just doesn't do anything hockey. Like he's trying to total reverse, like take his mind totally off hockey when he's away from the rink and then go back to the rink the next day and then focus 100% on hockey. So he's trying everything to, to figure out what's going on and how he can get out of this. And I think what he's doing now is probably good because mentally to be focusing on it 24 hours a day and, and over analyzing video and everything else, 
if it didn't work up until this point, try something different. And that's what he's doing now. He's, as I said, he's just trying to go home and just get away from hockey and think about other things and do other things and then show up at practice the next day and get back to work and hope he can get his, get himself out of this. And, you know, it's a long ways away from getting to this point, but it, it, it's when he's handling it, like you say, he handled it really well. It's, it's respect to him, but it's got to feel like a walk in the park rather like compared to what he was answering when uh, Dominic Ducharme was in charge, you know, like, yeah, you got you know, it, it, they're still having fun going to the rink. He delivered what might've been the death blow. I mean, it was coming anyway. Uh, to Dominic Ducharme's coach when after that game, I guess it was against New Jersey when they got blown out, and he said, it's, it's no fun coming to the rink anymore. And I think that was the end of – the end was coming, but I think that's when Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon said, okay, we got to do something now because we've got young guys here. They, they at least have to be having fun coming to the rink. <clears throat> I don't think – I don't think Josh Anderson's having fun coming to the rink right now. I think it's still it, – it, but but – He's not hating it if that you know exactly. He, it's like he's not dreading. Oh my god, okay, I gotta, I gotta go, to go to work. Like it's not like yeah, yeah, I'm going to the. But it's like he's going there. Okay, I gotta work. I gotta work. And yesterday, uh, after practice, he stayed out. They had uh, one of the nets tipped over in front of the other net, so there's just that top barrier to shoot at. And he was shooting puck after puck after puck after puck. So he's work. He's he's doing everything. He's doing everything he can. Like nobody wants to score more than score a goal now more than Josh Anderson. I mean, he's doing everything he can to try and get there and it's just not coming for him and but he's not alone i mean there's a lot of guys that you know uh, uh jake evans scored in the first game of the season then he went like 25 games without a goal before he got his second mm-hmm. um you know Slavkowski, if you go back to last season he's got like two goals and it's got to be close to 40 games now um it's just not coming it's tough it's tough for them and uh like we said upcoming opponents uh not ones that generally speaking get scored on a whole lot, maybe mm-hmm. other than Chicago. So, yeah. hey, crazier things have happened. Maybe we'll see some uh, Maybe we'll see some magic and some slump busters, but... Uh, well, we will get to see Connor Bedard in, in Chicago, too. That'll be uh, that'll be fun. Well, that's it. And he's, like, really hit his stride. Like, this guy... Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about straight as ad- yeah. advertised? Wow. The picked the, no, no knock on Slavkowski, but the Habs picked the wrong year to have the number one overall pick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, for Uras Slavkowski or Connor Bedard, Connor Bedard comes in. We're talking about, you know, Uras Slavkowski, like babies, always better on the wall, always better at this, always getting better. He's showing a little bit more confidence. He's still got two goals. So Connor Bedard is, what, 13 now or something like that? Yeah, so, and uh, uh, you th- just throw him on the ice. They're not saying uh, – All number one overall not- picks are created equal. <laughs> that was the case. It. It, the number one pick in a draft where there was no generational talent there. And, and yeah, that's bad luck. Yeah, that's it. I mean, listen, they they can only do what they've been doing for the past two years, and it's good to have that perspective, like you said, that it's only full year two. Yeah, they, it's it's the full year two of it. Uh, good to have today's big draft, Connor, but already probably would have had a knee injury or a broken hand or something. Oh, well, that's <laughs> it. There you go. You know, you yeah. end up uh, end up on the shelf yeah. up there with uh, Kirby Doc. That's. Uh, Oof, man, is it? It's it's so bad. It's well, so, you see so them lined up there. I mean, last season it was a joke. At one point, there was like ten guys sitting up there. I'm not exaggerating too. I think there was like I ten know. guys sitting up there. Now there's like five, I guess, four or five. But yeah, uh, one left now that David Savard's back. But you walk by. And last season, I remember chuckling, like walking 
to go to the media lounge mm-hmm. and you're seeing this row of guys wearing really nice suits. <laughs> and it's like at one point, uh, the, those guys were, you know, probably close to outnumbering the media guys. Yeah, it's, you know? it's crazy. It's true. It's, it's nuts. It's a whole, it's like you have 10 guys lined up in a row. And, and it's funny because when the TV cameras go up there and you see they're always on their cell phones, I wonder what yeah. it must have been like before cell phones when guys were healthy scratching. You didn't have that to distract you. You're just sort of sitting there. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, this yeah. is my team on the ice. Yeah. Oh. Um, anyways, Stu, thank you very much uh, for joining. Hopefully the Canadians can turn it around to, uh, starting tomorrow night against the New York Islanders. You, my friend, have yourself a great weekend. You too. Enjoy this uh, spring-like weather. Uh, yeah, I'll try. I'll try. And I'll try to stay dry. Try to stay yeah. dry yeah, this weekend. How about that? Weekend, eh? That's it. All right. All right. Have a good one, Stu. Uh, that was Stu Cowan. I'm Matt O'Hain. Let's bring the graphic up one more time if we can, because uh, we mentioned tomorrow night's game. So tomorrow night at Playground, one of our many sponsors on the Sick Podcast, uh, Tony is going to be hosting a live pregame podcast, and uh, some members of the Sick team will be there at Playground for the grand opening gala. Join us for a fun-filled night. And uh, like we say, playground you know listen you might you're in the building of a place where a world record uh bad beat jackpot was one of uh two million dollars so uh who's to say that tomorrow night that can't happen again and you're in the building you know you might get a slice of that pie so uh I think it's a I think it's a good idea if you head on over to Playground if you don't already have uh, your Saturday night plans filled. All right. Uh that's it for me. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next week. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. LaBee.tv. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.